This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. So if you haven't been tracking with us, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. We've been in it since January, right? And so what I want to do, let me get you caught up to speed to where we at, because sometimes when you go through a, a study um, for this long, you could rem- miss some of the context of how'd you get to right here, right? right, right. So, so we've been um, going through the book of Ephesians, and um, Ephesus is this church that was started by, by Paul. We saw it when we was going through the book of Acts, where Paul, on his missionary journeys, went out to Ephesus, and um, it was this um, predominantly Gentile place, right? They was worshiping all type of craziness, and he preached the gospel out there, and it turned the place upside down, disrupted the economic system out there, um, and, and the people, it was like bringing all the idols and just burning it. It was, so it was crazy, so the church gets planted out there, and you see it get started, and then you see that um, in the book of Acts, how Paul left it in the hands of um, the Ephesian elders who stayed in contact with him, right? So then you get to the book of Ephesians, which goes now into the heart of what was going down inside of Ephesus. So you have um, this Gentile church that's, that's coming up, was predominantly Gentile, and, and, and that was new to, to what the Jews were, were used to, right? They're used to it being about them, their thing, right? It, they were the, the people of God, right? And it was this massive cultural tension there because, like, they've had a bad history in the midst of it, right? There has been a lot of, 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 of foul things that happened in between that, and, 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 and now they're being brought together, and, and, and the Gentiles are being welcomed into the fam, right, as, as one of us. Welcome into the fam as, as one of us. So now, when I say one of us, I'm not saying one of us Jews, like, because that's some of the things that they was thinking. Like, if they're going to be inside the fam, then they need to become a Jew first, right? But that wasn't it. It was one of us children of God, right? He's the family. We are a, a, a family. We are all his children. And now they're being welcomed into the children, into, into the family, right? So in chapter 1 in the Ephesians, what you see there is just as an overall view that this was always in his, in his plan, yeah. right? Yeah. God wasn't like, oh, man, they've been left out. I feel so sad about it. Oh, let me, hey, why don't we just invite them in? He wasn't responding to a situation, but this was his intent from the beginning of time yeah. Yeah. that he was going to be walking through a process. Yeah. And as he's walking through the process, at this stage in the process, I'm going to bring the Gentiles in. This, it, it was always his plan. He's working intentionally. Yeah. Then in chapter 2, Right. What you see now, you have these 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 different um, ethnic groups that are being brought together. They used to have tension with one another. But now God is bringing them together and he's forming one new man. He's forming one new man. And this new man is identified as the church. Right. So this is important here. You see this um, as an overall backdrop in in chapter two. Then in chapter three, he he, he pulls back the curtain and shows them a little bit about his plan here. And in chapter 3, he says, now, through this church, right, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Yes. 
So now what culture would turn around and see through this church, these different people that was brought together and now bear his identity, culture would now have this light that would shine and show the deep levels of his wisdom through them, right? You see that there. But not only that, but it was said it was, it was, it was taking shots at spiritual authorities like Literally, them being together, us being together, walking this thing out, living aside the tensions was spiritual warfare itself. And it's like, oh, man, that was my plan. I'm about to pull out my guns, and it's going to be this, the church, right? And now we get to chapter 4, right? And today we are wrapping up chapter 4 and going into chapter 5. Now, see, chapter 4, it was about the practical intentionality that it would take for the church to walk in unity amidst diversity. It was like, all right, all right, all right, I showed you all the big vision, but this actually takes practical steps. Don't just stay deep and theological on it. What, this is what it's going to look like walking inside of it. So you had all this put on and put off and stop doing this and start doing that because there's intentionality to living into this, right? So today we are in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, going into chapter 5, verse 2. So if you'll stand with me, we'll read that text. Now, I think what I got loaded inside here is, is, is NIV, but most of the words are the same, right? So let me go with it. 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the reading of the word. You may be seated. As uh, Wayne and I were studying this text together, the thing that really captured us about this text was this idea of a fragrant aroma of worship, a smell that is emanating in a place and drifting up into the nostrils of the Father. And, and this, this really captured us. And, and, and as we were looking at this, it became evident to us that we needed to understand this idea of a sweet-smelling aroma in order for us to really grab a hold of what Paul was speaking to him and why he, he points these things out. Now, if, you, if, if, if this is your first time going to a church that's kind of in, let's say, an inner city area or whatever you want to call it, the hood, whatever, right? Back in the day when we planted here, this neighborhood, especially over a few blocks, right on 27th and Indian where we planted, it was a lot different. Now, if you knew this neighborhood for a long time, it, it, then you would know it was a lot different. Some things have changed it, like, you know, GCU coming in, growing, getting bigger, even though it had been here. Some gentrification is happening, but there's still remnants and pieces and places of it. But the reason why we came here, especially to that neighborhood, which is still quite a bit the same, was because 
There was a ton of where we believed a gospel presence needed to be amongst crime and poverty and prostitution and all those kinds of things. But in that, there's a ton of diversity. So if you haven't been in that context before, having a story like this as you're planting a church may not make sense. But for us, it, it does make sense. So we're into it a few years. We rented out this like uh, underground kind of uh, hip-hop club looking building and it's just right over there it's dark if you go in the sanctuary and, and, and it was a, it was a great place to be but but we walk in one week and I, I walk the sanctuary and it stu- it stunk so bad in there right it literally smelled like a skunk I'm calling the elders I'm like yo I, I, I love people coming to church but I guarantee you people are gonna walk out of service how bad it smells and I mean it was rancid. So I call people, I call the landlord, and I'm going, listen, this building smells. And he comes over and walks it and kind of goes, oh, it's not that bad. You know, you know what he's saying, right? He's like, I don't want to pay to come out here and try to figure out what this thing is. It's not that bad. And he's giving me the runaround. So I call everybody, everybody I know, and I call my boy Miguel. All right, Miguel right here. He has, a, he has a knack for hunting down nasty smells, right? He knows, like, you find a dead rat in the house, Miguel's going to find it. Now, now uh, 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 he'll charge you, right? Now, I, I ain't giving it away for free, but he'll, 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 he'll help you find it. He walks in, and immediately, something, the Holy Spirit hit him, and he goes, that's weed, right? I, I guarantee you it had nothing to do with his past. Uh, he didn't know what that smell was. Uh, but he goes, that's weed. And I go, that's a skunk, dude. He's like, yeah, skunk weed is what it is. It's that stanky stuff, right? And I go, what are you talking about, bro? Where's it coming from? And so he starts hunting. He's climbing up in ceilings and he's going around. And so right next door to us was a security alarm place. And they, they were, uh, most of the time, it was weird because they had an office, but most of the time they weren't there, Right. And once in a while, some dude in an Escalade would roll up and, and kind of roll out. And we didn't care. I mean, whatever it was. Well, he climbs over to the next suite and looks down into a full warehouse of weed, right? So now the pieces are starting to come together. This isn't a security alarm place. <laughs> And no wonder there ain't nobody ever working in the office except two in the morning, right? Now, listen, I didn't care. I just cared about the smell, right? So I call the landlord. I go, this is your problem, right? And he goes, well, they're paying their rent. I bet you they are paying their rent. I said, you got to take care of this. He took care of it. I think he called the cops, did the whole deal, get it, you know, run them out, whatever it is, and the smell goes away. But you learn something in this context when you know the place, the feel, the smell of what it should be. When you smell something, it's not because it looks different, and it's not because it sounds different. There's just something to the smell that's off. It's like walking into your house after a date night and all of a sudden it's oddly perfectly clean and all the kids are getting along and everybody's just happy and chipper and tired, but there's a smell. There's something happened while I was gone and they tried to clean it and they tried to cover it, and they tried to take care of it, and they tried to make sure it was done, but there's something 
chew it. And if I really do know, I don't devalue that sense, right? There's a lot of people who, when they approach Scripture, have approached it just with sights and sounds, meaning they've tried to dissect and break down Scripture. But there are ways in which our our forefathers, those who which studied scriptures and built in liturgies, and they would talk about when you come into a text, don't just walk by sight or by what you see or try to break it down, but try to get the smell of the text. Try to understand the smell of the text. And we're so used to in our enlightenment phase just only rationalizing everything. We don't know the senses. And that's why we could go to a lot of places and churches have become the biggest fronts because we try to clean the environment up. We try to scrub everything down. We try to get polished music. We try to get good preaching. We say the right words. We, we sing the right songs. We become culturally. We do everything it is, and it's a front. And when you walk in, you smell something's off. You smell the dysfunction. You smell that the church in so many ways has become a front for peddling something else. And the reality of this is, is you only begin to understand this when you realize that some of the things that we are to be and to do are not just things that people can see with their eyes, or people can hear. But it's much to do with what's this, the aroma and the smell of the people of God. Because here's what you have to understand. Some people try to use the words of Jesus and act like Jesus, but they don't have the aroma of Jesus. Some people try to use the words of Jesus and act like Jesus. But they don't have the aroma of Jesus. You're like, you're like, all right. They're hitting all the points, but 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 something seems off, and you're trying to put your finger on it. Like something smells off here, right? Man, we talk about this stuff, and 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 Paul is super intentional in using these type of languages, right? You know, when he talk about fragrances and stuff, and one of the things that comes to my mind is Second uh, Corinthians two. In 14, right? We start speaking about this, and, and Paul is certain this about having this fragrance. And so 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 comes on my mind. I'm going to read it real quick, all right? If you want to go there, you can, but I'm going to read it, all right? <clears throat> he says this, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Like, no, like, 
let me dive in this. I want to break this down some, right? Because we got to get this, right? When we're talking about this, and Paul is, is, is talking about this, this, this present, this, this fragrance, like, like, get this, right? 14, he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma, the fragrance yes. of the knowledge of him everywhere, right? So when he uses words like aroma, a fragrance, there's this, this double meaning that's going on here, right? So Paul is talking to them, and, and, and now in this instance, he's, he is using, um, um, he, he's connecting it back to things that would happen when, like, when the Roman um, emperor or, or, or the general would go out, and they would go out and conquer land, right? They go out, and they would, and they, they was on this quest for land, and they would go out, and they would conquer land, and, and, and then the Roman emperor or the general, they would come back into the city, and they had this victory march or procession through the streets, right? Now, when they had this victory march or procession through the streets, they would have the captives, their their spoils tied up, right? Some of them would be princes and kings and and, and stuff like that, but they would be, like, tied up as cats, and they would be on their chariots just, just riding through the streets, right? And then in the midst of it, the people would start lighting incense, right? Yeah. Right? The people, they was excited, and like they, they loved being Roman citizens, and they would be along the streetway, and they would light up incense. You see now, the smell of the incense, right? Yeah. It was carried by the wind spreading all over the place, right? And as it spread all over the place, people would smell the aroma of the incense, right? And if you wasn't near the procession, you smelt the incense inside the air, and you knew, like, they came back. The emperor is back, and, 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 you, and, and, and people came down to celebrate and watching the emperor go through the streets with his, his, his captives. So the scent and the aroma drew them in to celebrate. And what Paul is saying Christ is the triumphant emperor or the general. He, 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 he went into war and now he's coming back from war and he's coming back and he's doing his, his victory march, right? And he's on his chariot and he's doing his victory march and the captives are us. We are his, his, his spoils, right? He comes back and we are his captives and he takes his captives and he joins them with him. And then now our very lives living into this thing becomes the incense spreading his aroma everywhere. It becomes the, the it factor, the thing, spreading his aroma everywhere. And when people smell the aroma, it communicates that he is victorious and it draws them in. They want to know a little bit more about that thing. What is it about you? Then in 15 and 16, he says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are in the aroma that brings death, and to the other, the aroma that brings life. The pleasing aroma of Christ to both, to both, right? To both. Now, now, now to, to the one being saved and the perishing, now, that, it's this aroma that brings death, 
Death to, to those that are not in him. They're not, they're not his. And for some reason or another, you seem to bother them much. For some reason or another, they seem still to stand offish to you because everything about you sort of makes them feel a little bit awkward because, because this is that aroma about you, that Christ aroma about you that brings death, right? But to those that are being saved, those that are his, those that are part of his family, this aroma opens their eyes up, right? They perk up a little bit. Like, it's so, I, like I gotta cook up with you. I gotta find out what's going on with you. And it draws them in because it gives life, right? Now, now, now check this. Not everyone claiming Christ and speaking the gospel truly has the aroma of Christ. I get it. You're hitting all the points and you're saying all the things that you need to be said and you're, you're bad and you're going hard, but not everyone this is what he's talking about. He's not just talking about aroma just for the sake of talking about it, right? Come on, come he's going somewhere with it, and he's trying to make a distinction between the real and the fake, right? So in 17, he goes and he says, here's his distinction. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Yeah. Peddle the word of God for profit. This means, yeah, you're cutting out the word of God and you're giving it out, but it's mingled with selfish motives. Something inside there. I hope I get seen. I hope they notice. I hope they elevate. Something, something, something inside there is mingled with these selfish motives and people smell it. Come on. There's something off about yes. them. And they hear it and they're tracking with it, but there's something off and they're trying to put their finger on it. But he says the ones that truly have the aroma of Christ. In Christ, we speak as before God. Like, I don't care if you notice. I don't care if you get, like, I'm preaching and I'm speaking the word of God to you. But as before my king and everything that I'm saying, and he's judging me right now and he's looking at me and he's loving me. And everything that I'm saying to you is about him. And I don't even care if you notice me. Come on, man. At all. Come on. And when we, when we look at this, man, the, the reality of this kind of smell makes it so that when we have this aroma, what it does is authenticate the message. Because there's many of us who will come into an environment like this, and we've had it. They don't last very long. But there's many of us that will come into a place like this and go, how can I work my way up the church ranks? How can I get on the stage? How can I use my gifts? How can I do this? How can I do that? How can I do this? And you wonder, what is it, man? And you talk about, man, I used to do this, and I got this, and you lay out your resume, and I gave it this, and I, I went to this place, and I preached like this, and I went to college this much, and I did these things. And you're trying to lay out your resume, and you wonder, why is it they won't use my gifts? It's because you smell funny. You don't smell like family. I can hear the words. I can hear the words. I can preach the preaching. I can talk the talk. I can do all of the different things. But the reality is I can have the degrees and the names of the what. But I don't have compassion. And I don't have love. And I don't have forgiveness. And you're doing it for your selfish gain. Listen, y'all, 
most of what we do, most of what we do, whether we realize it or not, is we're trying to cover up the fact that we don't have the odor of Christ because we haven't been close to him. We haven't been intimate with him. We haven't had that nearness and that closeness. We don't have his heart. So, so what do we do? We try to cover it with good knowledge. And the reality is there's something called odor fatigue. When I moved to uh, Avondale, I did because, not because I liked it. Uh, no hate for those of y'all who live in Avondale, right? But it was, it was cheap when I moved out there. So I moved out, and when I rolled up, I was living downtown, and I rolled up out there, and I saw this beautiful house, but it smelt like a dairy farm, right? Because there's all these cows everywhere. And I had to go, man, it stinks, and the real estate agent said something. You'll get used to it. And that's true. Did you know there's something called odor fatigue? What ends up happening is when you smell something over and over and over again, your nose starts stops telling your brain that this is off. And you just grow used to it. That's why people would come out and visit us and go, it smells. And I'm like, I don't smell it anymore. I live in it. And the reality is many of us have lost the smell of trying to, 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 to see and know what true love is is because we've grown used to the smells of selfishness. And we've created environments in which we go and place, and all of us are just in it for ourselves, and we can't even tell. But somebody walks in from the outside and goes, it smells funny in here, and you're like, I don't smell it. And the reality of this is, church, is there is an aroma that a healthy family puts off, and this is what Paul is getting at. It's not one of self-centeredness. It's not one of, of, of selfish gain. It's not one that is about me preaching and being heard. It's not one that has to do with just a, 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 a correct, accurate list of beliefs and statements. It's not about mental ascension. It's not about just us being in the same room. The reality of this is family has compassion and forgiveness for each other. Notice in verse 31 and 32, there's something really interesting. He mentions this kind of put off bitterness, rage, and anger. If you really thought about these things, these are things that put off smells. It, it's the smell of bitterness when somebody has let something just be swept under the rug for so long that it's just built up and gained a smell because it's never been dealt with. Or the smell of rage is when somebody just goes, I'm going to stuff things and just kind of push it down and not deal with it. And it just boils up in rage and anger every time they get touched. What this is, is people who have tried to whitewash, clean up, put spray on, get some axe, do whatever they can to cover up the reality of the death smells that are inside of them. And so what do we do? We try to leave the family because the family 
is not fooled by our words because they know what we should smell like. I hope you hear this because in a family environment, you realize that it's not the absence of pain and struggle and suffering and things you go through that makes a healthy family environment. It's actually how you deal with those things that helps us see this is how the fragrance of Christ. So if there is opportunity for bitterness and anger and rage and, and all these kinds of things within a healthy family, that means stuff happens. That means in, in, in race relations, we're going to bump heads. In, in, in relationships between men and women, we're going to see things different. Can you all say amen to that? In, in old and young, there's a, a, a big-time cultural gap, and we're going to see things different. In all of these differences, there's something about us that just wants to go, you know what? Man, they don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. And, and we think, well, I need to go to a place where everybody understands me. And we think a perfect environment is what develops family. No, 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 no. This is not about a perfect environment. If you are going to be called into a gospel-centered community, there will be opportunity for bitterness, anger, and rage. But out of that environment is where true health and the fragrance of health comes is when we see that there also is opportunity for the smell of compassion, forgiveness, and true love to rise. Where people see one another and forgive one another and walk through this reality of what does it look like to lift up a sweet-smelling aroma that is pleasing to God. This is what Paul is pressing into church, you have to see that the aroma of a healthy family is compassion and love. And what's weird to this, like he's he's talking to them about this, and as these Gentiles and these Jews are living together, and you gotta you gotta remember that like they've never seen this before, right? right? Yeah. Like, like they did for, for these Jews, all they know, there's no one alive that's seen a time other than when it was just about them. Right. We are the people of God, the children of God, the people of God. It's just us. It's just us. It's just us. The Gentiles don't never know a time when we were just all living together in unity. But he's telling them to come live together in unity and, and, and to, to the point where there's a fragrance about you that, that reflects Christ. And it's like, well what, what, well, what does that look like? How does that happen? Where do we get that from? Because we don't have anything to go from. And then 5, 1 and 2, he says, like, I get it. Listen, just... Follow God's example. Be imitators of him. Therefore, as dearly love the children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. How do you do it? Look at him. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Look at him. He's, he, he's giving them this, this, this example of, 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 of this of, of, of a family, right? It's an example of a family. He's like, okay, listen, this is what I want you to do. I, 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 he's telling the child to follow the parent's example. Now, I get it because in a lot of situations, right, that doesn't really work for us, right? Because it's a real broken example that, that, that you're talking about, but he's not talking about any old parent. 
He's talking about God himself, his father, God himself. He let follow his example. And, and see, and the parent's character is marked by how he described the children. He says, dearly beloved children. Now, when he says dearly beloved children, he's not describing the children's character. He's describing the character of the father. They are dearly beloved of the father. Now, now, here we go here. We're like, okay, follow his example. What example? That example of love. This is what he did for us. Follow that example of love. And what did this authentic love look like? What did it do, right? What did it do? Here's what's important. It gave itself up for you as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is where this fragrant aroma of, of, of Christ come from, come from. This is the other side of it. When I said there's like double meanings here, see the other side of this fragrance and aroma language is temple language. Yes. You see, inside of the temple, they would light incense up to God as they worship God and wanted to light up a, a fragrant aroma to him. And then also the smell of the sacrifices being offered up to God. So when he's making this connection here, you got to know Jesus was the temple. He referred to himself as the temple. This temple will be torn down in three days and raised. Jesus was the sacrifice, and he was himself the priest making the sacrifice. And here it is, a sacrifice done on our behalf. See, we are the other in the story, right? I don't care where you come from, what, what ethnic group you're from, how much money you have or don't have. I don't care how old you are. You are the other. Remember, he's talking to them. He's talking to us about the practical side of living together in unity. And now it just goes to us and we are that temple. So he's constantly using his temple language in, in Ephesians. Now we are that temple and that sacrifice with the spirit of the priest living inside of us and leading us. Yes. Offering ourselves as living sacrifices. And the way this look is a sacrificial love towards one another. This is how it look. You are offering yourself up in sacrificial love towards one another. And, 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 then, and you're doing it like this as an offering to God. Um, sacrificial love towards the other as an offering up to God. This is how you live together in fellowship and unity. I want us to think about this for a minute because when you say be an aroma and a smell and a fragrance of compassion and love and forgiveness, when you smell something, often you don't know exactly where it is, what it is, or how to get it. You're constantly going, where is that? I got I to gotta find that. And what something like this can do is frustrate a very practical culture that goes just 
tell me what to do. Let me try to give you an example of this. I got so many of y'all who come to me, Wayne, any of the other elders and go, look, we're having some massive issues in our relationships. Just so you know, we all do, right? So pastor, come sit down with us and help us. And what they mean by help us is tell us who's right and who's wrong. So we sit down as judge and jury, and they begin to go in. They always do this, and I always do that, and they never do this, and I always say, and the other one goes, oh, no, that ain't even true. I'm always right, and you're always wrong, and we always do this. And then they go, now, pastor, fix us. And I go, I heard what y'all said, but I didn't listen because I'm trying to smell. And all I can do is smell selfishness. Y'all want to be right, or do you want the fragrance of love in your relationship? Because many of us will settle for a whitewashed relationship. And we think there's some checklist of how we can do this. And when you hear words like forgiveness and compassion, you go, well, man, you don't know what people are doing to me. You don't know what these people say about me. You don't know how they act. How many times do I have to forgive? And how many times do I got to go through? And when should I back away? And when should I keep pursuing? And how should I do this? And how should I do that? Because you realize inside of a family relationship, And when you're inside of a community, you start to learn the fragrances of love. You can walk into a relationship. If you really ask somebody, what is it that makes your marriage so unique? They can never give you a checklist. They just go, ah, we love each other? (laughs) Well, tell me, how do, do you... Date all the time? Do you buy flowers for each other? Do you do? do, do, Some, yeah, so yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I think many of us would rather be in the army of God because all that requires is loyalty rather than the family of God because that requires love. I'll be loyal to you, God. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll just give me the list and I will follow your orders. And he goes, Love. And you go, How? Because you can't do that by following a checklist. You have to know, you have to be known, you have to. Enter in, you have to follow more senses than just sights and sounds. See, when you're close to somebody, you don't know why, but you know something's off. Something's off. I know you. Church, it would be a problem for us to try to just break down educationally what compassion and love and the checklists of them when the only way you can receive this is by living in a family and following his example. Because the aroma of love is not peddling the gospel for your own selfish gain. The aroma of love is death to self. When you die 
to yourself and give yourself away for the other, what ends up happening is there's a smell. There's an aroma, a fragrance aroma that gets lifted up to the Lord. And I will tell you this. One thing we need to continue to press into, yes, let's say the right words. Let's teach the right teachings. Yes, let's, let's do the things that we should do. Let's, 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 let's make sure we're intentional about things, but let's not mistake that there are many things that encourage us as pastors about what is happening in this family far beyond, far beyond what can be quantified, what can be measured. It's far beyond that. I can't tell you how many times I have had outside people walk into this room and go, it feels different. It feels different. And I will tell you this, that doesn't mean we all don't fight. It actually means we do fight. It doesn't mean we don't know each other. And that's why some people leave families. Where there's a family environment, they go to try to find a church that's not a family environment because they actually don't want to be, no, they don't want somebody to know their smell. So we go to places where people don't know us or where we can put on a front. And the reality is the farther we press into being the people of God, there will be times where I could choose to be angry and bitter. But I would tell you this, the biggest struggle that we have with our witness in the world is that the world can smell that we're not like Christ. They can smell it. They go, you, you all preach these messages but I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't have the, the smell of love. Y'all talk about God can reconcile all things, but you're still all white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches. God can bring everybody together, but just not on Sunday morning. It just smells weird. We preach it, but we but we're not putting forth the aroma. We, we talk about God bringing husbands and wives and, and men and women and, and children and, and, and all of this, and that doesn't mean there's not going to be a clash of cultures and struggles, but the reality is this only happens when we want to have this death to self. And this is what Paul's calling him into, is into the family. One of the things that Wayne and I prayed as we came to communion today. One of the things that we prayed is that this would be a time not just of mental ascension, but that actually we would stop for a moment before we rush to the tables and ask for the Spirit to search things that we can't put our fingers on. And ask for him to dig deep into our hearts and show us ways that we are not living in alignment and putting off the aroma and the smell. Because if you go, just tell me what to do. No, no, this, this kind of searching takes the hound of the spirit who's got a really good nose. Because you can't even find it. He's going to have to search deep into your heart. 
and reveal to you some selfishness, some disgusting things that maybe you're going, well, how, how I've been trying to hide these for a long time. Yeah, but people can smell it, right? Because what he's wanting to do in us is far beyond just right words and correct actions. He's wanting to put us on display that the smell of victory and the aroma of the kingdom would go farther than our words and be a smell of the gospel, a fragrance that all can smell and they can go, well, well, how do I, how do I get that? How do I have that? How do I be a part of that? Church, I, I pray that as we sing this song and come to this table, what I love about communion is it goes beyond kind of just mental understanding and it makes it physical. It, it puts it right here into the taste. We taste and we see it. And today as we spend time, I'm asking you to do what scripture tells us to do. And before we come to the table, it says, let the spirit search our hearts and to know if there's anything in us that we need to repent of. Is there anybody we haven't forgiven? Is there any sort of hatred or, or bitterness or strife or anger? As a matter of fact, it says don't even come to the altar until you deal with that, right? Like, like go deal with that. Because the family of God living in unity together has this it factor to it. Some people who are in those singing shows just hate that feel. Like, why do you say it factor? You sang really good, but you don't have that it factor. That's the, that's, the, that's the it factor. You can't put your finger on it. It's this reality of it's an authentic, everything comes together. Words, taste, action, smell. And all of a sudden they're like, this is authentic. This is real. This is the fragrance of the gospel. So as we come to the table, before you do, I want you to pause and just let the Spirit do work. So I'm going to sing for a minute and then and whenever you want. And what we're going to sing about is we're going to sing about Him being a good Father. We're going to sing about our identity in Him. And when you want, the tables are open and you can come and fellowship. You can even work with your family, pray with some people around you, whatever it is. We're just going to open it up and we're going to pray together. Let the Spirit do His work. You can come when you're ready. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.